the one thing is like I love Halloween. I not Christmas is not my favorite holiday. So I was just rooting for like Christmas to get all Halloweened out. So when he's like giving kids these like <laughs> presents and they're like freaking out, I was loving that. Loved every bit of that. And so then I was like, wait, is really the lesson that like um like what what's the so the happy ending is that Christmas gets to be Christmas again? Like oh, I'm not here for that. Hey you over there. Guess what? What? You wanna talk spooky stuff. Okay. Hi, I'm Kay. And I'm Gabe. You're a ghoul. Sure am. Wow, same. What brings you here next to me? I'm kinda over man today. Yeah, people are trash. Just like a body piece. You know there's a lot to say. About how medium is me Like there's a more to every story Exactly! It's fascinating! We could make a show A show? And we'll let everybody know Use our brains Brains No, not to eat To educate Oh, okay Yeah, I guess you could say We're, We're the, the ghouls next, next door, door. Hi, I'm Kat, and and I'm Gabe, and we're the Ghoul Sex Store. I need to express something that happened to me during our intro, because I was going to say that I was the combination of Jack and Sally, and then I was like, all right, Jally or Sack. (laughs) I lost it. I was laughing. I can't say I'm Sack. I can't say that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm the mayor. I'm the mayor. Jack, where's Jack? Still the best quote in the whole movie. Jack, I'm only an elected official. I can't make decisions on my own. Uh, It's the best. Uh, So if you couldn't tell if you're watching this, uh, for what we're talking about today, uh, we're going to be talking about Nightmare Before Christmas, which is a phenomenal uh, musical of our childhood and youth for all you weirdos out there. Uh, It's going to be a very interesting conversation because our special guest today didn't watch it until we told him to (laughs) for this episode. Uh, So it'll be like a fresh hot take from someone who didn't get caught up in just like the merchandising and like people whose entire identities was just like Jack and Sally, like (laughs) just socks I think I had Jack and Sally socks, probably, and like backpacks. Um, but our our special guest today is super important to the ghouls for a lot of reasons. One of the biggest being that every single one of the ghoul shorts was made because of him, like it, with his amazing support and awesome eye behind the camera, and also scripts. <laughs> He's written scripts for us, uh, and is always a great supporter and big fan, and so. Roland, welcome. Hey, hey. this is exciting. First yes. time on the ghouls, long time listener, first time caller here. <laughs> you yes. guys look amazing. Thank you, thank you. We like to be really extra. We try to hold back when we have guests because they don't like know us yet. But, you but know it's us. like hard. Like we do still show up. Like I did show up in a phantom mask for yeah. Phantom of the Opera. Like, I was like, I'm not going to not do Gotta that do it. if I have one. Um, <laughs> so we were like, Roland knows who we are. This yeah. isn't a surprise. When I realized I didn't have a costume, I was thinking I could just hold my little friend Moscow up yeah. and just pretend that I'm a cat the whole time. But then he he had other He's ideas. Like, no. Yeah. Like, out of here. <laughs> I don't want to be a celebrity today. No. Well, welcome, Roland. We've been trying to get you on the show for a while. We're always just like, how can we fit you in? You're like, what, um, what do we talk about with Roland? He's doing so much stuff for us all the time. He's number one, the best school. He's on our website as if he yeah, is he's on our, He's one of the ghouls. <laughs> uh, he's the reason we have those cool pictures Yeah, and amazing videos. And Jolly Butcher that you definitely should watch if you haven't. And if you yeah. did, watch it again because yeah, you'll like probably pick up on something. 50 times. Please watch. Yeah, definitely. I realize I'm doing a lot of nodding, like, but for the audio part of the podcast, it's not going to help anybody out there. They're not going to see all my great facial expressions. My great go watch the Jolly Butcher right now. Yeah. So, yeah, you should. It's great. Yeah. And it was fun to make. 
Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. We always make them in like a day. (laughs) We're like two day film film creators. Um, But you make films all the time. Like constant. Like every time you have any moment of free, (laughs) like not work, you're making a film. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) It's uh, sometimes I I wonder why, but (laughs) yeah, they're definitely a, a time consuming endeavor. So it's definitely one of those ones you have to fit in. Uh, any, any little bit of free time you have, try to put it towards, towards the passion projects. But yeah, I love, I love filmmaking. Uh, I mean, I, I love any kind of like, uh, art that makes you feel something. That's kind of my, always my metric when I'm watching something and, and that could even just be like little videos on Instagram or something. If they, if they hit you in the feels like right away, I'm like, how did they do that? How did they get me to, how did they get me to feel that? Uh, that's, so I, I think, you know, film is just an, an awesome way to do that when you combine all the different pieces of it, the acting and the storytelling and mood and score and style and all those things. Yeah. So. And you always but, go like 100%, like all in, no matter what it is, like. <laughs> so you gotta do it. Yeah, is, absolutely. Like, this is it. This is the one, this is a Hollywood level production and it's like <laughs> a minute and a half. And it's about That's what I love about these cool projects. Yeah, because we because usually they are short enough that we can even though we we do have just a day we do go all in all in on production design and the effects and the graphics and the all of it uh, so that we can just you know t- instead of trying to shoot like you know forty pages worth of stuff and then we have to rush from thing to thing we can really just just focus. I got Moscow to come back just for a second. He's just so cute. I wanted the world yeah, to know him, but Aww, he doesn't really want to be on camera I don't think but but he's a master of knowing he's ignored me all day long I've been at home all day he hasn't wanted to hang out with me and then as soon as I get on camera he knows it's time to come step on keyboards and things like that (laughs) just got a sixth sense as all cats do yeah when the perfect time to not (laughs) Roland you have fresh show films can you Mm. tell our viewers what that's about so that they can watch your other films that aren't just ghoul stuff Oh, yeah, sure. So um, several years ago, co-founded a very indie DIY um, filmmaking collective with my good friend, Wyndham Maxwell, uh, who have made quite a few of these video projects. And um, we really uh, wanted to uh, set it up in a way where we could keep it just as completely uh, indie and guerrilla as, as all the little projects we've been doing all along, but have it be like a proper... LLC and platform and where we could start making these. But, uh, to me, that's like my favorite part of the filmmaking process is, uh, when you are doing it at this really sort of indie low budget level, you get to do a little bit of everything. Um, you know, the farther up the chain you go, the more resources you get. Um, but it's also becomes very siloed. You know, Mm -hmm. you have your sound department, they only do sound. You have your cinematographer they just worry about the visuals you have so when you're kind of uh on these smaller level projects everybody bumping my mic like that (laughs) non-professional i am here um but uh yeah it's live too i was like oh they'll take all these you know mic bumps and (laughs) run on sentences out later but no it turns out we're live here so um but yeah i think uh i learned at some point you know like about myself always good when you can learn something about yourself uh that i that was the part I loved the most was just getting to do a little bit of everything and to be on a set where everybody else also feels like they can do that. So every project that we do for Fresh Show Films, um, even if it's a friend that we asked to come about to do a project that's out on the uh, on a lake, which is a little nerve wracking with all the gear. But so we're all in like kayaks and canoes. So we asked somebody to come be like the canoe person to move the canoe around. But <laughs> the idea with Fresh Show Films is they are uh, have just as much agency to weigh in on the project as everybody else. So we send them the script ahead of time. We ask them what they think. Um, we really try to have everybody sort of getting in on the action. Cause there's a lot of cool organic ideas and thoughts that come up from that. And there's also just, you know, when you're on a Hollywood set, you have every role, you know, because it's so siloed, you have, you know, everybody's attention focused on exactly what it needs to be focused on. You have a script supervisor to make sure that nothing breaks with continuity. You know, you have, have all these people. So things don't fall through the cracks as much. Um, but on a small production, you kind of need everybody to be looking out and being like, wait, weren't they doing this? Why are we doing this? Yeah. Didn't they? Why were they? So yeah. um, by just kind of making that part of the the fun of it, uh, just like we're all going to do what we can here to try to uh, make something great. Um, 
that's really the, the part that I just love. So yeah, so for Fresh Joe Films, we've been doing that. We've made um, a handful of, call like our short shorts um, that are, or, you know, like tried to make them like real proper movies where we pre-rate a script and, and cast them and, um, again, try to make them for very, very small budgets, but do as much as we can to try to make them look like we had a bigger budget than we had. Um, and then when the pandemic hit and we went into lockdown, I spent a while trying to make a short, uh, like a one to two minute video, uh, every single week, uh, from lockdown, just pointing the camera at myself, uh, just to have something to do. Um, as we all kind of needed, uh, projects like that. Um, so there are, I got, I got 10 weeks in, 11 weeks in before I just completely burnt out. Yeah, um, so, uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a playlist on there too that, that, and, and in some ways that's, that's kind of like gained fresh show films, a little traction in a different way. Cause the, sh- the shorts we make, like, you know, we, we have a goal to make three to four a year. Um, but that, even that is kind of ambitious just cause it takes quite a bit of prep. Um, so, so yeah, you can check those out. Um, and then end up doing quite a few music videos is kind of the other piece of the the puzzle for me. So, which I also love cause it's just a whole different kind of storytelling. Yeah. Um, and I think it fits that kind of everybody's ideas are welcome model even more so just because it's, it can be so abstract in a lot of ways. So you can do these projects and be like, well, what if you're doing this? What if we're doing this? How about we make it look like this? And then you can, you know, you can alter so much in the edit that on set, you can just be like, yeah, let's get every possible thing we can. Let's, let's get every idea. And then we'll, kind of figure out how to fit it together um yeah but yeah so i love love watching music videos too with that in mind i like you know just have been uh you know like some of my favorite content some of my favorite things that have made me feel things are music videos getting yeah. me up in my feelings so they're just um, so cool they're not like bound by scripts which is like why we really enjoyed last week with Melanie Martinez's K through 12. Cause it's just like, it's music video and it's just like a legit film. <laughs> like, yeah, that's why yeah. I'm so excited to watch Halsey's film as well. Eventually yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you did, uh, you could see cat in one of your music videos for Jacqueline Constance. That's true. I yes. did. Good. That was a good yep. one. See some incredible artwork, um, right on cat's arm in mm-hmm. that yeah. music video. That was super fun. And now it's yeah, on my face. Uh, yeah. Same location as Jolly Butcher because we like to use our resources. <laughs> if it's there, we're going to use it. <laughs> but I realize that I don't know. I don't know if Kat knows, but do you consider yourself a horror fan, Roland? I, so I, before, I, before I met the two of you, I, I wouldn't have identified myself that way. I think what I used to tell people is that in that same vein of like, I want to be emotionally manipulated. Like fear is right up there for me as one of the ones that, that does it for me. Cause it is so like a, a good, like scary, um, film. Uh, so I, I, I would put like, I love a good cry. So I love like tugging the heartstrings is maybe number one for me. Then maybe like then fear and then maybe like comedy and stuff like that. So, but I wouldn't have, I have called myself like an inherently a, a horror fan. And, and I, that's probably backed up in just, like I don't have the the canon like the not uh, like I haven't seen enough like horror films to really like call myself a, I guess a, a true like, um, but I, like that's that is an experience that I love to just like sit down and just like be completely terrified <laughs> like uh, I really enjoy that and so that like and and when it's done well um, even if it is like super campy if it's really um, then I, I think it's just it's a great way to. Yeah, to have your emotions manipulated in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it's like, it's a feeling that you can't, because obviously like you don't actually want a real killer stalking you <laughs> to like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, some people might, that might you be your thing, alive. but like, like that. Yeah. But, but it's so it's a uh, versus like uh, things in my real life make me cry all the time, you know, or make me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but, so it is a, it's a, it's a different kind of one that you get to kind of like, um, live through that. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, it's such a, like, I mean, I think certainly just listening to the podcast now for like three years, it's made, it's made me appreciate more, but horror is such a genre that's tied to, um, like exploring societal issues and, and really sort of like, um, and, and can do it in a way that, 
than a, that a lot of other genres can't because they would just be preachy or obnoxious or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's got this, this great, yeah, it's a great vehicle for, for that in some ways. Yeah. So it's really like accessible. You're like anybody can make a horror movie. Like, it's not like not everyone can make a good one, but really yeah. like you can uh, like thinking of like Halloween, like there's like no blood, right? Like it's all just like a dude stand in a little far away. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and for that to be like, a monumental like, film for people like, you know, very like small budget, just like trying to get a little tension, you know, in there. And that's enough. And I think like that versus like when you have a drama or you have a comedy, like especially comedy, like that's hard to write for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's hard to like, you know, cater to, to what people might find enthusing uh, in just any time of life like comedy changes so often but like I feel like horror like we all have those same emotions and they're pretty easy to achieve you just put people in scary positions um or you can use it to tell other things and because it's not like so in the open for everyone you get away with a lot more (laughs) yeah yeah you could say a lot more and do a lot more because it's not like you know it's it's not quite as scrutinized as any other genre that's out there yeah, because it's ones that uh, arguably audiences aren't getting it onto unless they're already horror fans. Like people don't. Oh, if if you don't like horror, you don't. <laughs> you probably aren't going to the movie when it's out. Uh, so it's able to like kind of sit for a minute before people are like, "I'm mad." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting when I, I feel like there was a period where when I was like a teenager with like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff, where I feel like there was like kind of like the summer blockbuster equivalent of horror and it felt like it had mainstreamed i'm trying to think what else is in that uh like uh maybe hills have eyes and i don't know there's just like a bunch of uh a little less nichey and a little less where you'd be like oh i I don't do horror like there's it'd be more like okay we're going we're going to the theater and like that's the texas chainsaw massacre is the movie to see this weekend so like we're Mm -hmm. seeing it yeah um, versus street or something yeah yeah, um, it's interesting when it when it does intersect, uh, kind of with just sort of them where, yeah, but yeah, yeah, because there there's like waves of that too. Like they have like the '90s and like Scream and all of that. Like those were films that they were like they were acknowledging <laughs> the impact that that horror was having, like the moments that horror was having, and then like the early 2000s, which was just a mess. Um, and I think it's funny <laughs> that like. <laughs> said that you wouldn't have considered yourself or wouldn't have labeled yourself as a horror fan because like I have always like most of my life I've liked horror like loved horror even but even still like didn't realize how much of my identity (laughs) was tied to horror until we made this show and then I was like because we were just like what do we like what can we talk about oh we both like horror that that's something we could chat about and like work into both of our fields and then like as they're like, if we're interviewed or we're talking about things, I'm like, oh man, I remember how like, you know, I had like this nickname growing up, or I remember like having these films on DVD instead of like anything else, or like, uh, what did I dress up as for Halloween in like '97 or whatever? <laughs> it was like, oh, it was I was uh, Ghostface, <laughs> you know? Like, I think I was, I think I was a horror fan for my whole life. Um, and it's funny until someone like really asks and then you're like, Oh wait, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also think it's like, uh, cause I don't think, I, I mean, there are still like gatekeepers, obviously like <laughs> plenty of people who were really mad that I hadn't seen Halloween until yesterday. Um, and you know, having a whole horror podcast, people being like, you never saw that. It's like, I get it. But like, there's a lot of films out there, and I'm not that old. <laughs> like, I'm not that, I miss that. I miss that time when that would have been significant for me. Um, or like, I watched Sixth Sense for the first time on our show, so that was already spoiled for me. <laughs> I was like, this is not an ending that is going to be surprising at all. Um, but I can still like, you know, uh, appreciate what it was like for people seeing it for the first time. So I think you just people need to lay off. <laughs> Let people enjoy things. Um, cool, cool, cool. Kat, do you have a question? Um, Putting you on the spot. No. <laughs> 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 I 
Um, okay, no, I do, I do, I do. Uh, what is your favorite horror movie that you've seen recently? Slash, also, which is your favorite short film that you've done with us? Oh, two part question. Favorite short film first. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess I I do love the little like ones I made during quarantine just because I. St- stopped worrying about trying to be such a perfectionist and stuff. Um, I wouldn't say they're my favorite to make just cause it's not as fun to like sit at home alone <laughs> yeah. with a camera and have it just be you then like on set and doing all this cool stuff. Um, but, uh, those are kind of, because they're, they're pretty short. Um, those are, you know, often the ones I just sort of point people to if I'm like, yeah, you want to see, and then you, that's, I mean, it's a little narcissistic pointing people to videos where they see even more of my you. dumb face, yeah. but, but they're um, so relatable. It was like, we were all in that same feel like feels <laughs> during early pandemic time. Yeah. It was definitely like, it was a, it was a, instead of sort of like, what can I make? That's just, you know, I was trying to think of like, what are the stories that haven't been told? What are the, you know, how do we go about this in a whole new way? It was much more focused on like, just taking something relatable and then kind of running with it instead and having it be something that like, yeah, everybody is experiencing. Um, so that was, um, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, let's see. So, uh, horror movie. So I just, we actually watched it together. We watched Parasite together. It feels mm-hmm. like a cop out cause it's, it's another one that just like blew up in the zeitgeist, but I just recently rewatched it. Um, and there's just, so like you can, it, it has so much, uh, replay value. Like there's mm-hmm. just, there's so much to it that you can get on like with the, just this, the symbolism of it, like the, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's got so many layers to it. It's great. Um, and it's scary. Like it's, it's not like the scariest film you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but it builds tension. Um, and it, it's, it's almost like a little gross. Like it just feels like being in these, this, these rich people's world, you just, you know, that something like really kind of like unsettling is happening early on and it, and it starts to like chip away at you. It's really like kind of leaves its mark in a different way than like a traditional horror film. So yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. Where and has just some of the it. best like standalone <laughs> scenes, like this, the scene where they're all hiding under the table. Um, yeah. And they have that conversation about the subway. Yeah. Oh my God. Just like, there's just, you're just not going to find anything like that in any other film. Yeah. Like it's, it's so, yeah, it's such an incredible experience in some ways, but, yeah. and it actually so got like money. recognized for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much money you have a, a table just in your living room that can fit an entire family under it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's wealth. Like that, There's definitely that. yeah. If your family can fit under your coffee table, <laughs> you're living. Yeah, you might. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like just artistic direction with that film. It's profound. I I agree that it has replay value because you like like you watch it and you're just like dumbfounded. Like you don't know how to feel or what to do with yourself. <laughs> so then you like watch it again to be like, okay, I know where we're going to go. And then you're still like, um, some there's <laughs> things I miss. Yeah. <laughs> and then you like read about it or you like watch an interview or something. And then you go back and you're like, I'm still, I, I'm still lost. I'm still, I'm still stuck in like these emotions. I don't know how to like glass case of emotion that you're in. Um, that's a good one to have watched recently. And if October wasn't so full of everything that ever could be, I would watch films. I would have a good time. I just yeah, there's so many that are on the list of things we have to watch. uh, Just Mm -hmm. that came out like this month, and we're like, (laughs) that's rude. Honestly, I feel like uh, (laughs) you should not do this to the horror community in their busiest season. Um, But also, it's like good because then you're catering to it. But it's just like. I don't have to, I can't, there's not enough days or hours to yeah. watch all of it. And I'm going to do that in November and it's going to be great. And that's why I don't read Twitter anymore. 
so I don't want to be spoiled. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to know about antlers. Don't tell me. But it's also yeah. like, I feel like I want, because all year we're spooky, right? Like all mm-hmm. year we're doing horror. So everyone else should also be doing that. Like, I don't want to like stop putting it all in one month. I can't do it. I can't watch every single thing in just October. That's not going to work. Yeah, it's so our busiest time. to have Halloween all year. <laughs> the Halloween channel all year. <laughs> the Peacockoween or whatever they called it, which was ridiculous, all year round. All yeah. Year. Like Shudder is That's already kind of putting in all that work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they do, and they're so amazing. And Netflix too. Like Netflix actually consistently like doesn't just hold off. Like Yeah, they put out horror stuff way, throughout yeah, the year. It's just out. It's just out. It just like maybe they'll you know, put it in their spotlight a little more in October, but they really are just like, yeah, whenever. And I'm like, thank you. It's so hard. I want to apologize, Roland, that I am being very attentive and usually I have a great listener interviewer face, but my eyebrows aren't real. Because for the first time, I like cosplayed them where they're like glued down and there's stuff. So these are like not my. So like I'm doing things with my face. You just can't tell. You can't see. And this is why people are clowns. It's because they're not authentic with their faces. And so I'm like, I'm like trying to like overact now because I'm just like, mm hmm, I am engaged. (laughs) Oh, yes. I I can't. My face is. Actively operate like there's not a thought behind my eyes. So I am listening 100%. It just doesn't. It's just like I'm just always like mm-hmm. uh-huh. like I'm always very attentive. Cat <laughs> is always like, "What a great interview face!" Yeah, make the person feel like they're being heard, and I'm trying very hard. And I'm this. bad so at it. Know so I appreciate that. Okay, yeah, <laughs> right. we well, love my you. Face has both happiness and sad. So maybe it'll just like <laughs> depending on what you're saying, I'll just be like. Those are kind of like sad puppy dog eyebrows in some ways. Like the way they're like tilted up a little at all times. It's, it's kind of it's, it's just like. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. like a pout face. I haven't seen my face from this angle. <laughs> it really does look amazing. How long did it take to do all the. Makeup so I that. did it like in the middle of the day um, yeah. because I didn't have any like f- meetings. <laughs> so I was like doing it while I was like typing up things. I was like doing it. And like Mike came in, it was like 3.30 and he was like, uh, that's um, <laughs> for the show at seven. <laughs> I was like, yeah, why? <laughs> like, He's like, for seven at seven p.m. tonight. Yep. Okay, all right. I'm making, I'm making Beyond Burgers. I'll see you down there. Um, so, I, so yeah, the was, same. This has been this dedication. Cat started it, and then yeah, I, was I started like, at like one or right, two for no reason. It didn't take too long. Uh, What's the hardest to... makeup you've ever had to do for a show? Like the, the most involved. This. Well, about, is it really what about, yeah what about uh so one when you were the blue alien from Earth okay Earth fair Easy. that took a while that but hard. that did not take as long as this. i started this at one o'clock today maybe two Whoa. um and then i stopped doing it at like five uh and then i touched it up right before we started even um, more than like when you were chris yeah uh, no those Evans were all very quick or... i actually like had to look at stuff while i did this Mr. Bedevil. Yeah, no, those were all like fairly quick. It took like an hour. This took. I mean, the day. This is a dual. This is a dual costume. So you had to like. I also did body. It's references for both. Which I don't usually do. Uh, So I think that's part of why it took so long. Like the face, I was done that by like three something. I don't know why. I just like woke up and I was like, "That's what's happening today." You know, it's like the time that I did become an alien. I was like, you know, no one asked for this, but this is what I'm doing. Doing it. It was great. Dedicating. It was great. And it, like, I would say, I think to this day, my favorite was from before we did visual content. We would still dress up. Like, we've been dressed up since <laughs> yeah. day one because we would take pictures instead of making, like, artwork for each episode like I do now. So we would, like, dress up. <laughs> and there was one time Kat was dressed as Edgar Allan Poe and yes. I was a raven. <laughs> and she looks she looks so sad as Edgar and she, like, couldn't keep a straight face because every laughing. time we take a picture she was just like sad <laughs> <laughs> why don't we do, why don't we switch over to nightmare on elm street to talk about this super fun film nightmare before that, christmas even that's what did i, I say, what did I say? <laughs> nightmare, nightmare on, on elm, street. elm street nightmare before christmas i have been saying that all, all the day. we're live folks <laughs> 
<laughs> you get it. You get it fresh. Yeah, whatever it uh, is. Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I almost changed like our whole. So for people who also were living under the same rock that Roland was, uh, I'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> what Nightmare Before Christmas is about. Jack Skellington, king of Halloween Town, discovers Christmas Town, but his att- his attempts to bring Christmas to his home causes confusion and he does more than that he just straight up steals this entire yeah uh, culture <laughs> he wanders in he has a midlife crisis he wants something else and he steals it um it, so growing up this was a super fun film like i said i remember it was many people's identities for a long time tim burton just really was like people really like i loved beetlejuice and it's kind of it. <laughs> I kind of liked Edward Scissorhands. I just really like Johnny Depp. I think Johnny Depp's a pleasure. Um, and Winona, obviously. Um, she's a saint. So just seeing them was great. But I was never just like, I gotta go see the new Tim Burton. But I also totally understand people <laughs> loving him and like how he is kind of like this representation of like the weirdo or the outcast or the other um during a time when you know things are full of like puppies and rainbows um (laughs) in that in the so in the the movies that made us they had like a clip from when tim burton was working at disney as like one of their junior animators like he was like really young so they're doing this like tour video and they come and they're like hi tim and he's just like (laughs) staring at them like dead face doesn't say anything just like and I was like, yeah. And then it's just like a, a montage of like the cast and crew just being like, he was odd. Yeah. He was strange. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, and, and I think like from watching that and like doing this like dig into him and next week we're going to have Sweeney Todd. So we're like really kind of covering a bit of him. And I feel similarly to him as I do about H.P. Lovecraft and that yeah. his work and the impact he's had on the horror community means way more to me than him as a person. Like, I just like, it's one of those things where people are often like, can you separate the art from the artist? And in this point, I'm just like, I have to. <laughs> like, it's yeah. the same thing with Lovecraft. Like, I'm like, I kind of have to, because there's no redeeming that, like, him at all. So yeah, I'm just like, horrible. okay. But he has had this really big impact on just, like, horror in general. And the same thing with Tim. Like, I, we ain't friends, but his work is really like impactful and I think made a lot of people feel heard, but I think also <laughs> it kind of validates certain aspects or like uh, ways of thinking and empowers certain people and makes other people outcasts instead. Yeah. 100%. I think I liked it when I was little. <laughs> I don't have a memory, so I I feel like I watched it. I definitely have watched it. I feel like it's something they put on, like near Christmas time, like when I was little. But I don't. I didn't remember it much at all. Like when I was watching it for this, I was like, "Huh, yeah, I've seen it before," but like, <laughs> I did not remember it to the point that like I feel like when I was younger, I would have had to have been into Nightmare Before Christmas. But I know a lot of people I was friends with and knew loved it and i was kind of like that's cool it's gothic i like goth stuff nice <laughs> but i was never like this movie must it love me. it yeah 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 i agree i agree i do think i had it like on vhs yeah i really had to i think i had merchandise and i again i remember a lot of people owning things i didn't really watch corpse bride until it was like too late um, i do remember that one too Mm-hmm. But I think it's fun. I thought it was fun. I love seeing, like, the different horror things in there, all the different creatures and characters. And I, you know, even though we'll talk about some of the problems, I did enjoy Oogie Boogie. <laughs> he was fun as a villain. Um, you know, with media analysis glasses. Might rethink things. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think it was cute. And I thought Jack Skellington was cool. I never really cared for Sally. I thought she was kind of boring. Um, but I also get, like, she's a supporter, you know? She lifts up the dude. And he, he 
she's already the king. Maybe doesn't need that. But I did, did enjoy that the person <laughs> who like kept her captive. She just like actively poisoned him. Yeah, like she she, she like, knew poison. And she's like, so, and that was dope for me. I was just <laughs> like, good Bye. as you should, man. Poison she does some man. clever stuff too. I loved all her like the stuff with her uh, removable arms and her, yeah. like, jumping out the balcony and like. Yeah. So I think as so much as as she's out. like blandly written in some ways, maybe intentionally blandly written, like she does a bunch of cool stuff that kind of like, yeah. I mean, there's so much detail in all the like. I think at least for me on first watch, that's definitely my favorite part of just all the little like details to the to the gothic world and they're like you know, the trophy they hand out to the vampires and they just every, like every background is full of things that you can find. There's, um, and it's, it's not, um, just all, uh, like sort of like the, um, I don't know, the least original version of something like there's some very unique, like strange, uh, stuff going on. That's so it's, it's not the most stereotypical Halloweeny stuff. There's like a lot of like very, you know, detailed, weird mm-hmm. Gothic vibes, yeah. Kind of at every turn. Yeah. In the in the the episode, so Caroline so it's so here's the trouble is that story and characters it's r- roughly based off of Tim Burton. So his name's at the top, but it really doesn't have he's did nothing <laughs> besides come around, look at it and be like, Good job and then he or, he was busy doing Batman. Or he was kicking walls. Or kicking walls. <laughs> he was kicking walls or shouting at people. Yeah. Um screaming you know being very professional uh throwing his little temper tantrums another hp lovecraft uh and so he was busy with batman and so it's really the amazing team and it's really sad that they don't get the recognition so it's really henry selick who directed this film and it's because it's it's claymation it's stop animation which is hard (laughs) a lot of work and time consuming it was like over two years of them working on this film that they didn't even have a script for for the majority of the time and then uh like working on it and he went on to make uh some of my favorite uh uh films uh that were claymation which is Coraline and uh James and Giant Peach James and Giant Peach was <laughs> like, great I do remember that yeah such an amazing I film. love that movie mm-hmm. I would read James and Giant Peach to my younger sister every night before bed so like that was like our thing and so like watching it was like this big treat too so I was like oh my god it was him like <laughs> this whole time I you know grew up as like Tim Burton's nightmare and for it's an it, it was kind of like whoa <laughs> like, it was so rude to see like that he really didn't have anything to do and that anytime he did interact with them it wasn't very positive, positive or like yeah. a good experience but the the Sally character so um he originally asked uh, Michael McDowell to write the adaptation for it, who had worked on Beetlejuice. And so, like, he had that kind of connection. But he, McDowell <laughs> was having some issues Problems, uh, yes. with the nose candy and such. And so they were like, you got to go. And <laughs> essentially, up until this point, they didn't have a script. What they had was Danny Elfman's songs. And Danny Elfman was before this, or like before really working with Tim Burton, was just a singer in a band. Like, yeah. I mean, not just, like, it was, he was a big deal. Yeah, like, um, but he hadn't like done like music scores. Like, yeah, music scores. And he was, and he didn't even want to do it. And then he did. Um, and so they, he kind of got the concept and the gist from Tim, what, and, and Henry, what the story is supposed to be. So he wrote the songs, and then they just like, <laughs> had to build an entire script around his songs. And so um, the person who worked on Edward Scissorhands and happens to be, or happens to be at the time, I don't know if they still were now, uh, dating Danny Elfman was Caroline Thompson. And so she was like, I know those songs because I hear them every single day. (laughs) I can write a script. I can do this. Like, I already wrote for you. I'm very familiar with the work. And so the original concept for Sally was like, honestly, like this femme fatale. She had cone boobs. Yeah. (laughs) Like she was like really just a filler character and nothing. And so Caroline was like, no, like we need to flesh out this person. Like she's going to contribute and she's going to help and support. And like, it really came through. And for the creators too, um, they were all going through different things. And for Danny Elfman, he was saying like, the songs were really a representation of where he was at 
like mentally at that time. And it was kind of like, that's why it kind of sounds like he's in a midlife crisis. Like everybody loves me, but I'm miserable and something's not right. I need to change a pace. Uh, and it's cause he had, you know, been in this band and he was beloved by all his fans, but like that just wasn't doing it for him anymore. So he had like this switch. So like that whole, like, it's really <laughs> not anything to do with Tim Burton. It's like, as if I was like, Hey, Roland, here's one sentence. Like I often do. <laughs> I'm like, here's a one sentence pitch <laughs> for a film. And then you're like, okay, yeah, go write it. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> but no. instead of that, if I was like, here's my one sentence, go make it now. <laughs> like you make and then I make sure you call it, it and then put my name on it yeah, yeah exactly Castro's, whatever this is and i didn't i just kind of showed up sometimes yeah uh, <laughs> ultimately it was like that was disney's fault for real for real because they're like oh he's popular that's cool we're gonna put mm-hmm. his name all over it i don't care yeah. about the guy who actually made it it's like people know who tim burn is though so we're just gonna yeah. they don't know so like, yeah yeah and it like he they had so many issues, but I thought something that was really interesting was that the first scene that they did was What's This, the Christmas Town song, because it was for Disney. So they were like, we need to cater to the Disney execs, and they might not be keen on, like, the kid that's eyes are sewn shut or, like, <laughs> like Oogie Boogie or any of these, like, scary, spooky dudes. Um, and so they... <laughs> they were, they made uh christmas town and like how dr seuss it looks and like it's very disney and the execs were like yeah this is great yeah here's some money 100%. take it uh <laughs> and then they were like all right now we're gonna make like let's not even talk about how the song says uh that none of them are throwing heads and absolutely no one's dead <laughs> the lyrics so fun yeah, it's kind of remarkable that did, I, I didn't I hadn't remembered until I watched it and like looking up where to stream it. And then I'm like, oh, of course, it's a Disney movie like it's on Disney Plus. Like, um, but but yeah, it's very, I mean, out of the mold for like what a Disney movie and, a, and especially like a Disney movie of that era would be. So it's it's like it's kind of amazing to me that they like, you know, like released it when they did. But you know, we were talking about before we went on about how it's, it's got a cult, a massive cult following now, but it wasn't crazy popular when it came out. Mm-hmm. I have to assume partially, maybe that's just cause Disney didn't really market it. Like a lot of these like cult films, like Austin Powers had no marketing budget. So it like wasn't a huge hit when it came out, but then it be, got this like massive cult following. And, you know, by the time the second movie came around, they had enough money to pay for marketing. But it makes me wonder if Disney, after they saw the f- final thing, were like, "Okay, well, we paid for it. We're putting it out. We're not going to just like eat the loss on it, but we're not we're not paying for like TV ads and stuff to like hype yeah. this thing up." Like, and, and it's and, wild too because they make so much money off of it now. Like they sell oh, so yeah. much merchandise, which they do with all their films, I guess. But like for them to just sit on it and like be like, "eh," and then now like it is one of their very large profits is rude. Yeah. <laughs> but but ironic and kind of funny. Um, well, it like flopped. So it flopped when it first came out. Um, was like ninety because they marketed it to teenagers, right? Like wasn't yeah, that they the marketed it to teenagers because kids didn't like it. It was ninety three, so they marketed it uh, very little, and it just didn't do well, and it kind of flopped. And then years later, like some of the creators were like in Japan or something, and they saw the merchandise, and they were like, "Wait a second people like this and then they were like oh we can sell toys and yeah. that's how it like changed and that's when they threw on tim burton's name because he was a selling point and uh they really leaned into like this is an aesthetic that <laughs> people really dig and is like it, it's digestible for like younger audiences which i think is why it was because it really came back with like blockbuster because people mm. would go and rent it and it was like a it's a cozy home kind of film like i wouldn't say it's very much like a theater film and so yeah, it like kids just you know were were excited about it like and it, it is i think it's super fun um and like you're saying it's so different from what we're usually getting with with disney specifically so there's like this entire group of like young people who just aren't being represented <laughs> and took a long time before any, yeah. even more people were represented. And then even then not always great. Um, yeah. <laughs> Disney. But as, as someone who uh, way past it's like, uh, f- like excitement time era watching it, 
how did, what was what was your first thoughts, Roland? Like, how did you feel? <laughs> so, so I watched it the first time, and I I didn't really get it. I even texted you, and I was like, "Wait, what's the the thing?" And but when I started looking into it, I was like, "All right, I should probably watch it again." So I actually watched it a second time just to see. Um, and so I was trying to put my finger on what what like didn't work for me the first time I watched it. I think the 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 one thing is like I love Halloween. I, not Christmas is not my favorite holiday. So I was just rooting for like Christmas to get all Halloweened out. So when he's like giving kids these like <laughs> presents and they're like freaking out, I was loving that. Loved every bit of that. <laughs> and so then I was like, wait, is really the lesson that like, um, like what, what's the, so the happy ending is that Christmas gets to be Christmas again. Like, oh, I'm not here for that. Um, <laughs> but it is kind of like, it's a funny, like, almost like an allegory for like cultural appropriation in some ways, yes. right? Like mm-hmm. it's, uh, cause it's, yeah, he just like swoops into their town and, and it's like, well, look at this jolly happy guy. He's, he seems to be doing what, you know, like what I want to, that's how I want to feel. I'm just going to like quite literally like kidnap him and take his place and make myself the, give myself the, all these feelings yeah. and yeah. accolades and stuff like that. what it yeah. really is. Like, right, yeah, really without doing, yeah, without asking, <laughs> yeah, without asking yeah. a single person there about any of it or anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, dude, making it your personality all of a sudden. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so definitely, like, on a rewatch, appreciated that a little more. I, Danny Elfman's singing did not do it for me, and the actor who plays Jack didn't do it for me, and I just, like, it, the whole first watch, I was like, did they like just leave Danny Elfman's like, are these like Danny Elfman's like dub vocals that are like demo vocals that he did? And they were supposed to like get a real person to sing these. And they, and, but I think, yeah, yeah, like, (laughs) which, you know, like really took me out of it on the first watch. I just, every time a song came up, like, so, so just not having had any of that nostalgia to connect me to it at all, like Mm. watching it as a, just a, that like I had a really hard time getting past that, but I think in hindsight, like it's uh, in that idea of like it not it being like an anti Disney Disney movie in some ways, it is kind of nice that it's not just like you know the classic like Aladdin thing where then they've cast somebody with like a Broadway trained voice and you're just you know carted away on these beautiful things, but but just the fact that Danny Elfman doesn't sound anything like the actor who plays Jack, and then the singing also to me just isn't. It's not even that the singing would have to be good for Jack. Like he's a, like it could be kind of goofy offbeat, but it somehow just didn't have the, I don't know, the energy or the vibe that I thought. So I, that got all up in my head on a, on a first watch. And the second time I, I like let it go and, and the songs are great. Like there's a lot of like amazing stuff going on with just mm-hmm. like the numbers they do. Um, and I had actually, even before I saw it, I had seen a lot of, somehow I managed to never watch the film, but watch a bunch of behind the scenes on it. Cause it was so like, <laughs> It was so like revolutionary in some ways. They really like the way they did the stop motion and stuff was totally game changing. Yeah. Um, Super. All the heads. And all uh, the heads of Jack. Yeah. Right. They did. So yeah. Instead of yeah. Instead of twisting mouths up and making eyebrows and things they yeah they plotted out on a like super early 90s computer all the facial animations and then they made yeah what was that 170 or something yeah, heads so many, for yeah, Jack. Yeah. Uh, and then they had the computer tell them like which number of head to go to based on like what they wanted, um, for that facial animation, which is why his face is so expressive, which really adds a lot to it that it's like for a scale, you know, you could do a whole stop motion animation with a skeleton and just have the skeleton's head there with almost nothing going on with it. And, and, but I think by having this extremely emotive face, um, it does help a lot, Mm -hmm. but, uh. So, um, and then yeah, you like, once I read some of the stuff, uh, from Carolyn Thompson about how she got brought in to basically try to write a script from a bunch of songs, I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Cause I just kept feeling like this feels like an outline of a movie, not a Actually, movie. This feels like, like yeah. the way this is written just feels like, like somebody trying to get from song to song. And it turns out that's exactly what it was. So <laughs> yeah, I it's think, like mostly songs. Yeah. Which like to her credit, she like doesn't really get in the way of the songs, at least like she she does about as good a job as you could do to just like if they were already filming the movie with the songs and had no script and needed a script, you know, like um, and I did appreciate like for Sally's character that she's the one that does like the 
courting of Jack in some ways. So there's a little bit of role reversal there where, um, and, but yeah, they, they don't really do that much with her character. Mm -hmm. And Jack is so self-involved that it, it's, it's kind of a, there's no real, like, yeah, there's, there's no real like ending where he like, he like realizes his mistake with like Christmas time, but doesn't realize his mistake with just, having like waltz through a world where everybody loves him and he doesn't do anything for any of them <laughs> and doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Thinking. Yeah. And I think that's like it, just indicative of, of that experience too, like and who they're trying to cater to for sure. Um, yeah. And I mean with the, like Danny Elfman wrote it and then got really, attached to the character so he like begged him to let him do it and then he couldn't really act so uh they made caroline his girlfriend tell him that he can't act in it and that they're gonna have to <laughs> replace him and keep his vocals uh which was really sad because like tim just tell him uh, yeah like you're his friend <laughs> and that was like one of the 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 problems on set there was some bickering between caroline and henry because he had like some thoughts of what he wanted in the script and she was like you're not like bugging danny about his work like but you want to change words in my script like there was a lot of like infighting in that and then yeah so many like caroline and henry both had different ideas for the ending from what the ending is and this is like the notorious scene where uh so what really happens in the film at the end is Oogie Boogie is revealed to be like made of bugs and he gets unraveled and then his bugs fall into the vat. Well, Henry wanted the scene where when he gets unraveled, it turns out that it's the it's Dr. Frankenstein or whatever who's manipulating him behind the scenes the whole time, which I think would have been pretty, pretty problematic for like the only black character. Because <laughs> it's like voiced by a black doctor, very obviously like like New Orleans inspired to make him controlled by a, a little white man, like German. Like, I don't think so. Uh, so uh, they had like this whole thing. Um, but Tim was very upset. And <laughs> it's like this notorious story of him kicking a hole in the wall, like his, his, uh, his steel toed boots just straight through the wall and then just left. And then the, t- the crew just had like a sticky note on the wall that was just like, Tim, kick this. And just like <laughs> left it. And so, uh, but Carolyn also had a pitch for the ending. She didn't explain it in there what it was, but Tim just like screamed at her, like just super unprofessional screamed at her. And so that didn't happen either. Um, there was some complaints from crew people about Oogie Boogie, just like some comparisons to him possibly looking like a clans person, because he's in like a hood more uh, and then also the name Oogie Boogie that could be interpreted as a slur and Tim didn't care. Uh yeah, he's been <laughs> evident he doesn't really care yeah. about much in that regard. And also like seems pretty misogynistic, but uh Oh yeah. But I, and I think, again, also just, like, it's not a surprise when you see the characters literally. Yeah, yeah, uh, It's very much like I'm the misunderstood dude who's, like, quietly a genius. And people need to kind of, like, acknowledge how great I am. But he does have some really awful things that he said of, uh, just about the fact that he doesn't have any diversity in his films uh, with any people of color, really. Um, and just, like... People come to bat for him on TikTok and other places saying, like, it's not a part of the aesthetic as if, like, black goths don't exist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, or, like, a, that's an exclusive to one cult. Like, that's not how that works. Uh, and also, a lot of his characters are dead. And anybody can be die. dead. Yeah. All people die. <laughs> okay? And they all will die. Everyone will. Sorry. Spoilers. Um, but he does have this awful quote that I want people to know why <laughs> we're separating the art from the artist here. Um, he says, I remember back when I was a child watching the Brady Bunch and they started to get all politically correct. Like, okay, let's have an Asian child and a black. I used to get, he says, a black, by the way. Oh, God. <laughs> Not a black child. Uh, I used to get more offended by that than just... I grew up watching black exploitation movies, right? And I said, that's great, but I didn't go like, okay, there should be more white people in these movies. First of all, Tim, uh, black exploitation movies are there to fill a hole in representation that they were not getting. So, of course, there's not white people in there. Uh, and there does not need to be more. <laughs> that yeah. is never the problem. <laughs> like that is, and, and if you are so upset, just 
them showing that the Asian kids live in the same neighborhood as the Brady Bunch. Like, these are some problems, sir. Yeah, it seems like there's some, like, real inherent racism yeah. at play. That's just like... I love that that's the only example he could even come up with was black exploitation films because the rest of Hollywood was <laughs> like, completely like white, dude. Yeah, like, pick something else, right? He's like, okay, out of this one type of film that was also problematic, <laughs> like, of the time and cast those very specific people in not always the best light and made them all into tropes, that one I didn't complain about. <laughs> I was like, yeah, of course. I'll make you a deal. We won't put any white people in black exploitation films. You don't put any black people in any in Hollywood else. movies ever. <laughs> yeah. Done. Yep. Okay. Great. So that's <laughs> perfectly done. equitable. Yeah. Seems to be what he wanted. Honestly. Yeah. And he's, very, and he's super gross about it. Um, and it's just, yeah, it, that's just not the case. And you just, none of his films make any sense to like be valid in that argument. That there's there wouldn't be people of color in those environments. <laughs> yeah, they do. They exist there, uh, and even enjoyed them. You know. Uh, yeah. So it, it sets a clear yes. message too, because it's like this is a fantasy world like that he's creating. So mm-hmm. like, are you saying yeah. or like Anybody you know it's like there. yeah. So it's just like okay, so your fantasy is a world without any POS, people of color. Like you yeah. don't want anyone in there. And it's like yeah, that's clearly what you're trying to say. Yeah. Cool. Noted. You know, people with snakes or spiders as hair. And finger snakes. But yeah. You can't have a brown person. Nope. <laughs> like, what is, what, sir? <laughs> like, what are you saying right it's now? It's beyond aesthetic at that point. Yeah, the boy's yeah. fingers are scissors. He's got scissor hands. That's his fiction. It's <laughs> make believe. Yeah. Show me a guy with <laughs> scissor this hands. Is real. Literally, in real this life. Whole fucking they don't exist. <laughs> so, yeah, a whole time. Um, yeah, and it's I think. It's also worth that, noting. Uh, I was just say, it's also worth noting that th- those are issues that, like, like, the screenwriter, Carolyn Thompson, like this isn't just like the 2021 lens of a 1993 movie. Like at the time when they were making it, you know, like Carolyn Thompson went to Tim Burton and to the director and it was like, this is an issue. Like, and mm-hmm. we can fix it right here, right now. We can like make this work in a way that isn't offensive. Like, and this was specifically with the character of Oogie Boogie, but like mm-hmm. at that point, and they were like, oh, you're being oversensitive. You're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're just, and she said she's regretted it you know, ever since like to this day. Um, so I think it's, you know, there's, there's things that like, you know, uh, in hindsight, like just, you know, look back and, and people are like, well, yeah. I mean, not that this is an excuse, but it's a little like, Oh, we didn't at the time. That was just how Hollywood did it. We didn't mm-hmm. like you have a, a situation with this film yeah. where they're like identifying the issue. They're on set. Your screenwriter who's written it for you is like, we need to rework this piece of it. Um, you know, after like after seeing the casting and seeing the context of the, because when she's writing it, she doesn't know who Oogie Boogie's gonna be cast as. She doesn't mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, and then she's you know, like, like, and you made it a black voice actor. Like she's like, yeah, you just, like now you're even like the one character you got, <laughs> and you have voice dads, and it's this. Like he could have yeah. been Jack. He would have been an amazing Jack. Like that voice. Yeah. Like that's Bone Daddy. <laughs> Those kids are like, "How's it going?" He does bone call daddy? him Bone Daddy. That would have oh like, yeah, Danny Elfman is not Bone Daddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Ken Page is the name of Boogie Boogie. Um, <laughs> like, that's not yeah, like I mean, he's phenomenal. He's great, and mm-hmm. it just like it's very. And it's, it's a great it's, song. Yeah, but it's it's, it's that just makes me wish that he'd been Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, what yeah. could have been? Yeah, and when I was watching it, Mike <laughs> the, had, had a funny line where he was just like, yeah, you know the that integral part of Halloween that's about gambling? <laughs> He's like, why, yeah. why is he a gambler? Like, what is, why? <laughs> is this the, the character trait of this person that exists in Halloween Town? Um, yeah, <laughs> so, so some, some super problems and definitely a film that's, can be seen as cultural appropriation for sure and like even his like oh like if anything you can take from it is like his kind of acknowledging like oh this isn't mine (laughs) like I can't do this justice this isn't for me and like acknowledges that and then like respectfully steps away and like helps to put people back where (laughs) they should be and like yeah like appreciate it from afar you know or appreciate in this way that's like not like overshadowing or stealing the voice of the people who are there and understand that. And so like people can learn from that. Yeah. I found a lot of articles about it that I'll put in our show notes. Um, just cause like, yes. yeah, it's, it's, 
it's it's all people who like like the movie too. They're like, this isn't a critique. It's actually does a fantastic job of showcasing what cultural appropriation is. If anything, it's like really ironic that considering the audience of this film is largely white, that like, and it's a lesson on it, mm-hmm. and that that's still such an over the head experience for so many. Uh, but there's a lot of articles on it, so I'll make sure to link some. Yes. Uh, they kind of like outline it deeply into like why. Yeah, um, we do have the wrap because we're 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 over, and this happens every time no. we have a guest because we get super super excited. Um, but for our listeners and viewers, Roland, where can they find you and all of the amazing content you create? Mm, yeah, let me look at my own website since I don't remember it here. Uh, <laughs> I think it's what is it? Fresh Show Films. Dot, what did we? What did we get here? I can't remember. Yeah, Fresh, Fresh Show Films. Films. Dot, <laughs> yeah perfect um yep yeah you can check that out and um yeah we love making stuff so if you're like an actor out there and you're this a lot of our projects have started that way where somebody's like i need something for my reel and i'm really good but i you know like can we just do a project that's that's how we love to get started because again it's all about this sort of low budget indie organic ways of project starting so if you're an actor out there and instead of paying somebody three thousand bucks to make you a fake reel you just want to make a movie Look us yeah. up. That's that's kind of something that's we love. Vibe. So, yeah. Because yeah. I feel like, you know, Kat and I could probably have a reel now because of our films. So. You so could. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone who's listening, definitely check out Jolly Butcher, which is our new one. But we also have Saw 9, Lock and Key, and Two Girls, One Ghost, uh, which are all really absurd. And we <laughs> take them all very seriously, even though they're absurd. So definitely check those out. That's and why it's so fun. Fresh Show Films. Yeah, that's why you're just going to have a good time. Um, yeah, check out Fresh Show Films. Uh, check out Chipmunk Economy, your band. Uh, check out if all you, the things. If you want, yeah. <laughs> you can see Roland half naked in a shower. I don't know if you that's can. what you're looking for, yeah. but yeah. that's and something you can do. That's really, that's where I should have started. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, then people would know I brought you on here, and I got some Facebook <laughs> time out for sharing your content. So, so got everybody in trouble with that one. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, but thank you so much, Roland. I'm glad that we finally. Thanks got for you having on me. Here. This was a blast. <laughs> yes. This is so fun. And picking out like and and honestly like I'm so glad because I really I don't like we would have just talked about cultural appropriation the but like the fact yeah. that you brought up that one thing I was like wait a second there's so much I need to learn and I feel like I'm like smarter now i'm like i get it i get things this is crazy uh so i appreciate you is what i'm trying to say oh appreciate you both (laughs) of you the number one best school yes um so cat don't get married delete your kids yeah